Welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. I'm Reg and I'm joined by Buckets this time, which is so much better than the last episode where I was solo. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to keep my talking to a minimum because uh, last week's pod did not rate very well at all. So clearly clearly you're the the pull, the draw draw card here. So uh, The talent. The talent, that's right. (laughs) How are you, mate, anyway? I'm good. I'm good. We're starting to hit the winter weathers here down in uh, Victoria, which is not a lot of fun. But uh, when it, when the winter weather hits, you know it's getting close to playoff time. So that's a bonus. That's right. We're I think most teams have one or two games left, um, and then we're you know into the into the real stuff. Obviously, the playing tournament first, and then the then the real uh, real stuff. So yeah, it's exciting times. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've uh, been a bit off the NBA. I, I sort of do that late season slump that most, a bit like the players and the teams, it's sort of just that that last couple of weeks of the season where most things are all organised and most uh, most are gearing up for either a holiday or for the playoff um, playoff pool and seedings and things. So it's uh, good now that it's only a week away before we get into the best part of NBA basketball, the playoffs. I'm I'm pretty happy uh, that tomorrow is the last Bulls game for this year, and I will <laughs> no longer be stressed and just you know aging quickly, and I can enjoy some basketball for a change until next year rolls around, and then we go through the same roller coaster all over again. Yeah. So, but no, I, you're right. The playoffs is the best, and that's that's you know it's just basketball. That's um, there's no going through the motions. You know when you get to playoffs, it's every possession counts, and that's that's why we love it so much, and that's why it's so much of a better game, you know, because everything matters and uh, rotations tighten and you see the stars with the, um, the ball in their hands more. And it's so good to be, as you say, heading towards that, that time of year. Oh, sure. So we'll jump into it. Um, a, a veteran of the league has moved into 10th all time on the scoring list. So it must have been, I was surprised that he was this high up um, because uh, you know, there's always that talk that, you know, Carmelo not having a title and was out of the league for their 18 months, couldn't get a job, which is surprising for a guy that's this high up on the scoring list. So what do you think a guy like Carmelo's legacy is going to be? Look, I think um, I, I'm with you that I was like, wow, I didn't realize he was that high. I thought he, I thought he might have been, you know, top 20 sort of thing. But to be top 10 or 10th now um, is, yeah, really, really impressive. Um and I think it's, I think it's fitting for a guy like Mello because when I think Mello, I think score. I think buckets. Yes. I, I don't think anything else. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that's just really one-dimensional. Really, you know, uh, always has been. And at his at his peak, he was an elite scorer. Obviously, he's tailed off a little bit, and his efficiency's dropped. Um, and you know, he had that whole period I think where he wasn't um, willing to sort of sacrifice. He still wanted to be. Mello and, and T Mac spoke about this um, when he retired, saying the last few years of his career just just killed him because he wasn't able to be T Mac. You know, he was this shell of himself. And Mello has has somewhat accepted being a bit of a punch off the bench um, with the Blazers, which I think is good because it allows him to well, it's allowed him to get inside the top ten uh, because he wouldn't have been if they didn't give him the chance and sort of just I guess extend his career a little bit further. Um, so yeah, I think it's fitting that if he's going to be top 10 in any category that it's scoring, because if he was top 10 in say assists or something, you'd be like, what? That's not Melo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's obviously impressive. And I, I love Melo back in his like Denver days and early Knicks days. I'm sort of got a bit sick of him towards the end of his Knicks days. And obviously then sort of the whole saga happened and he was out of the league and now he's back. So 
Um, but look, he's, I think he's only a hundred, hundred and something points off uh, ninth. So you'd have to think if he, if he gets another gig next year, you'd have to think that's definitely going to be uh, secure ninth. And I must admit, I'm not sure how far he's away from eighth, but um, look, records are made to be broken and it's always good to see people sliding up the all time numbers. What about you? What's, what do you think of when you think of Mello? And this is for the listeners, this is not La Mello Ball. <laughs> this is <laughs> Carmelo. <laughs> yeah, so I think for Carmelo, it's hard. Like he, he was always coming in in that 2003 draft, there was always going to be that comparison with LeBron um, and even D Wade to a lesser extent in terms of how their careers went. And when you look at a guy like Dwayne Wade, who was able to win three championships, a finals MVP, and obviously we don't need to go through LeBron's resume. He's always that one that, you know, he falls into the Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, Patrick Ewing, you know, just never won a ring. And the people that he come into his other class, you know, have been great winners and great leaders. And when you see, you see that someone like Dwayne Wade, who was able to sacrifice his game to win more, and then you see someone like LeBron who was then just able to win and be, be the leader on multiple championship teams. You've got Melo that's stuck in the middle that he wouldn't sacrifice to be successful and win championships. And then he wasn't a good enough superstar to lead a team to a championship. So he sort of, he's got bumped on both sides of, of the equation there. So for me, his legacy is going to be Similar to someone, say, like a Dominique Wilkins, um, even like a George Gervin, uh, if you want to go all the way back to, say, an Elgin Baylor, that, you know, all-time talented scorers, but there's always that they didn't win a championship. They scored a lot of points and were leaders of teams, but weren't the type of leaders or superstars that could go to an NBA Finals or win a championship. And I think, I don't even know, did he, are you, oh, he went to the Western Conference Finals yeah, with Denver, Denver back in 2009. Yep. But outside of that, never really had deep playoff runs, first round, second round type of thing. So for me, that's going to be his legacy is just an all-time scorer, but just lacked those intangibles in terms of leadership or being able to sacrifice to win later in his career. Where, where would you put him, say, at peak um, against a guy like T Mac, obviously who who had his issues in getting out of the first round, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like T Mac was a little bit more all rounded, I guess, in that his assist numbers were far better and whatnot. But in terms of, I guess, when they were at the peak of their powers, if you're running a team, are you taking T Mac or are you taking Carmelo? See, if I'm a GM and I'm I'm running a team, like I take Mello because I feel he did it over a longer period. I think he was more consistent over, you know, he probably had 10 to 12 years there where you could book 25 plus year in, year out. Whereas when I think of T-Mac, I think of an, an ultra flash prime. So from 2001 to 2005, those four years, T-Mac was just elite scorer, just tore the tore the league apart his last two years in Orlando and his first two years in Houston but outside of those four years it was derailed with injury so you know if I'm if I'm running a team I want the consistency of Mello because in terms of players I feel like at their best they they're very comparable um, they, you could throw a blanket yep. over the two. There's not much to split them. So I just feel like T-Mac just shot up for those four years and had that ultra prime and then was was basically nothing. 
whereas Mello was just consistent over 10 to 12 years at that 25 to 27 points, night in, night out. Yeah, I, I think I, that's why I was sort of putting the two and two together because they do get compared an awful lot um, because of, as you say, at the peak of their powers, just both elite scorers. And there wasn't much you could do to stop them when they were at, you know, at that stage of their careers. And both have ridiculously quick uh, pull-up jump shots. Um, you know, Melo particularly from mid-range, that, that mid-ranger of his is, is, you know, all-time, really. It is. It's just, it's just ugly. I, I found his game ugly in terms of how he got, like he would back down, you know, 10 or 12 dribbles and then play. A bit like Paul Pierce. Yeah. I just never found their game pretty, like, pretty to watch. Whereas T-Mac, his pull-up jump was Smooth. far prettier than Melo's. Yep. But, uh, if it goes in, it goes in, so you take it. That's right. Um, That's right. So we'll move on to another polarizing player in the league, and that's uh, Russell Westbrook. So there's obviously detractors and fans of Russell Westbrook's game and get similar criticism to Mello in terms of his leadership and his ability to be able to win and lead teams. Um, but something that you know is just an unbelievable feat and probably five, probably as soon as five years ago, no one thought this was, this was one of those untouchable records, you know, in the same league as the Lakers 33 game win streak, Wilt's hundred point scoring average. You know, this was another untouchable record being Oscar Robinson's all time leader, triple doubles. And Russell Westbrook this week has now officially become number one all time. Where do you see him fitting in the all time point guard list? I think one of the, I mean, you and I have spoken about Russ a fair bit on this, <clears throat> on this pod around, um, yeah, sometimes he can be out of control, but you know, you're going to get a hundred percent out of him, no matter what, every single game, no matter what. Um, so I think that in itself puts him fairly high because even though these guys are all elite, you can see guys going through the motions at times. You can see guys, particularly in the regular season, whereas Russ is just, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. As he always says, why not? Why can't I do this? Why not? Why not? Why not? You know, that's his, his sort of his motto. Um, and I think one of the best things I read during the week is it's hard to get a triple-double on NBA 2K. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's harder to get one in real life. You know what I mean? Like, so you turn the sliders all up in 2K, it's still very hard to get a triple-double. So this guy's you know, done it 182 times now in the greatest basketball league in the world. Um, and he's had uh, injury issues and everything, and he's still throwing himself around as if he was, you know, straight like when he first came to the league. So um, I think that the hard part for me is is the all time thing uh, in terms of saying he's you know this number. Um, but I think the way I like to think of it is if there was a room of all the all time greatest point guards in NBA history, he's got an invite. There's no doubt about that. I don't think um, because you can't not not just the triple doubles, but you can't just play the way that he plays and impact win the way that he does, and not get an invite to you know to be amongst the greats. Yeah, for sure. It, it's hard when you say point guard because you almost have to have a separate category for guys like Russell Westbrook. Like they're they're enigmas in the way that they're not traditional. Like. You yeah, couldn't even call him a shooting guard. Like yeah. he's just one of those players that just does so much. And just because he's six three, you have to classify him as a, as a point guard. Um, you know, a bit like Allen Iverson too. You know, he's he's a point guard, but 
they're not Jason Kidd or Steve Nash or no. Gary Payton, Magic Johnson, like the other point guards that I guess are going to come up in that all-time list, even Chris Paul. So it's it's hard to compare because they're so different. They're just unique players that I think we need to just appreciate what they do rather than try to categorize them or compare them um, to to others of their position because they're just so different. And I think that's the way the league is going to go for some time yet. Like we've got guys like Jokic. How can you say, mm. well, he's up there with Shaq and he's completely different. Like he yeah. plays nothing like them. And I think because the league is changing so much to be so focused around the three-pointer and um, getting up and down and things like that, it's almost like you've got to you know, put a, draw a line in the sand and go, okay, old school NBA, you know, back to, when centers played back to the basket, blah, blah, here's their group. And then here's the group of these new age, you know, unicorns who can sort of do a bit of everything. And you're right, if, if, if um, Russ was 6'7", we're not saying he's a great point guard. So, you know what yes. I mean? Like, it, yeah, it's really is it, just because he's he that height went, and he plays there. <laughs> That's right. He's more. He plays the game far more like a Grant Hill, a LeBron James, and you know those types that are um, even you know Kawhi Leonard, Paul George that do everything. You know, are able to yep. rebound, pass, assist, defend, um, and it's just because of his height that we have to categorize them as as point guards. Yeah. So if I was to compare him to players, I'd be comparing him to those all round players that can do all things on the offensive end and defensive end rather than trying to compare him to a Steve Nash or a Jason Kidd because then the argument's going to be, well, they averaged X amount of assists and then, well, they'll just come back and say, well, Russ averaged more points or more rebounds and, you know, Russ dunked more than Jason Kidd, but does that make him a better point guard or just more athletic? Just because Jason Kidd could pass better, does that mean he's a better point guard because that's what the point guard's supposed to do? Like, it's just it's very difficult to to do that when you start saying, okay, all-time point guard list. Yeah, completely agree. Unfortunately, the world we live in is... There's just constant comparisons, you know, who did it better, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's just it's the way that it is. Yeah, uh, but I just, right. I just think he, he just needs to get the respect, I think, that that he's earned through through yeah. the way that he plays. And not just getting 10, 10 and 10s. He's getting 20, 20s and 15s. Like, it's yeah. it's insane. It really is insane. It's off the charts, isn't it? So, yeah. um, some bad news for, for one of the teams in the East that could have made some noise in the playoffs, but that's going to be difficult now. Jalen Brown is out for the rest of the season with a wrist injury. Do you feel like that's a nail in the coffin for Boston's chances this season? Yeah. And it's disappointing because this is the time of the year when you want all of the best playing. Um, Boston, as we know, has struggled this year. I'm pretty sure they're actually in playing territory, which to go from... Um, conference finals to to play in is really bad <laughs> like really really yeah. bad um and i was listening to a podcast earlier with um with jason tatum and he was talking about like um yeah because i think it was on the um Woj's pod and Woj was talking about you know is it because of you know you guys had played in the bubble last year had a short um pre-season or off-season um and then obviously all the covid stuff through the year and he's like well no because everyone's going through that so I'm not going to use that as an excuse, but we've underachieved based on, you know, what we set out to do. But he's like, it has been a very unusual year. And with all the testing and everything else, lack of practice time because they're trying to squeeze all these games in. He's like, it's it's almost like just playing pickup 
every second day. You know, there's not as much structure because of of the way that's all going. And then Woj talks about, you know, um, Brown's wrist injury and how that impacts and everything. And, you know, Tatum was just like, I've just got to be more than I've ever been before <laughs> in order for us to be, you know, uh, to get, to give ourselves a chance. I've just got to be, take, take it to a whole other level, which is, is not going to be easy. And, you know, he talks about we're going to do it collectively and blah, blah. But I think everyone else looks at it and goes, that's it. You know, that's it. They may win the playing tournament. They may maybe get a low seed in the, in the East potentially. Um, but, they're not going to beat Milwaukee or any of these or, or Philly or any of these teams at the top of the East, which they're going to be playing in the first round. If they get in, it's that it's, he's just too important to that team. And he's um, we we're talking about, I think in an earlier pod this year that he was one of the fastest starters of, of this season. He was averaging up near 30 points. I think he ended up at around 25, five and five. That's a pretty tough thing to lose, you know, come the most important time of the season. So it's not quite, for me, it's not quite as bad as um, Jamal Murray's injury in Denver and that really shooting them in terms of their chances because I think they were like legitimately competing. Um, but it's still very disappointing, particularly in the East where we really want all the stars there because it is the, I guess, the weaker of the two uh, in total of conferences. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the only silver lining is, is as you say, Jason Tatum, He's basically playing with house money now. No one expects them to make any noise. So he's got a chance now to just go on a run in the playoffs and and see what he can do. Um, And whether that's, you know, getting into the first round and losing in five or six, but playing very well, um, they can basically just have a free shot at it because no one expects them to do anything now. So um, over in the the Western Conference, and you just touched on Denver there. So one of their other players... Do you feel like Michael Porter Jr., um, now that Jamal Murray is out, is he a future superstar or is he just going to be a good role player? I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really special. I, I think we're talking about T-Max and, and your Mellows and that. Um, and it's funny that Denver, he happens to play for Dan, Denver. Um, but I really think this, this guy, he, if you watch him, I, I haven't watched a lot of him, but I've sort of been watching a bit more um, like YouTube clips and stuff. Um, lately and the ringer did a really good um, sort of 10 minute clip on him and just how easy he scores. He's about six, eight or six, nine. So he's got that sort of, um, you know, T Mac mellow um, Durant can just shoot over the top of people sort of game. And yeah, I think, I think defensively he's grown a lot from last year to this year. Um, and I give Mike Malone a lot of credit um, in that, that he's, you know, cause he's, he's sort of, um, been known as a scorer, I guess, all these younger days um, coming up through high school, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that he, if he can become a bit better on the defensive end, um, he, he's one of those guys, I think, who has the potential to be really, really special um, in the league. Have you seen much yeah, of him be- or...? No, I haven't. Um, but I'll be I'll be watching closely in the playoffs. Obviously, with Denver being such a high seed, um, and as Kenny Smith always likes to say, in the regular season you make your game; in the playoffs you make your fame. So, if he is going to be a future superstar, um, obviously he showed glimpses last year in that Clippers series. Obviously, in Game Five, Six, and Seven, he was tremendous. Um, but you know, he's going to have to if he if he's supposed to be a future superstar. Playoffs is where it's going to happen. And with Jamal Murray out, there's no no better opportunity for him to do it in this postseason because they're going to be in big games and, and hopefully having a deep run. So that, that'll tell me more than anything how he goes in this playoff run, what his future looks like. So 
So. Yeah, great point. And you're right about Murray being out. It's like, mate, there's there's shots there. Yeah, there's 15, 20 shots there. So um, he's, he's got that opportunity now. So it'd be really interesting to see how he goes. Absolutely. So we might have a look at the season's awards, given that we're only a couple of days out from the end of season. So I'll just get your thoughts on the main ones. Um, so we'll go, we'll start with rookie of the year. What do you think there? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, Lamelo has, even though he had a, an injured period, has done enough uh, for me to secure that. Anthony Edwards, the number one pick, has had a really, really strong finish to the year. Um, but Lamelo's got uh, Charlotte in the playoffs, which I don't think anyone thought that would be coming this quickly. Um, so for me, it's um, it's Lamelo. What about um, what about you? Yeah, it's hard to go past, isn't it? Like, yes, there was the injury, but no one else come to the fore. Like, it's not like with the the Zion one last year where everyone was really only played X amount of games. That was because there was other guys that performed all year. So in that absence of when Lamelo was hurt, no one else was knocking down the door saying, I'm playing so much better than what Lamelo is. So I think even with the injury, no one else has stood out as much as he has. Um, and obviously, James Wiseman got hurt and things like that. So, yeah, I think you have to go with him. I think he's been the most consistent over the and given more to, to the teams that he's on than any of the other rookies in the class. So, for me, it's LaMelo as well. Um, most improved player? Most improved player uh, for me is... And again, I reckon... Uh, if you sort of went off the last uh, bit of this of the say the last third of the season, this is where I think a guy like um, Michael Porter Jr. would have really come into into um, contention. Uh, but for me, it's got to be Julius Randle um, and the, the, the just the, what he's done with with that Knicks team being the leader there. Uh, I didn't think Julius was could could do this. I really didn't when I saw him early in his career. I just didn't think he was going to be this type of player. Um, who's reliable and not just putting up numbers, but they're winning, you know, and that, that matters. So for me, um, I'm going to give the nod to, to Randall for most improved. Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty clear cut in the most improved. Um, and if you look at the odds makers, um, they're normally pretty good at uh, picking where things are going to land. Uh, and he's an unbackable favorite for most improved. And it, it speaks for itself what he's been able to do with that New York Knicks team. So um, yeah, we'll move on from that because I think he's an unbackable favourite there for most improved. So what about the sixth man? Sixth man, I'm going to stick um, with... Uh, actually, no, before I say that, I'm going to go with um, Jordan Clarkson um, from uh, Utah Jazz um, yep. only because he's had the green light off the bench and he's come in <laughs> and just let it fly and, and uh, got his numbers up. It's interesting, I think... I think he'll win it, um, but the six-man award has has kind of become a bit of a like points off the bench award. Uh, it's not yeah. ne- not necessarily like there's guys who come off the bench and impact winning probably more than, but they don't score as much. So it's really become like a a scorers off the bench award, really, and that's why I think JC has just got it in the bag. Yeah, I think you're right there. But uh, I'm going to give some love to a Laker, Laker player. And we'll go with Montres Harold just because of he's, uh, he's come over from the Clippers and we all love when they come over to the Lakers. So we'll go with him. <laughs> but I think, I think you're right. The six-man is always such a strange one because you know, there'd be guys in the league that 
could easily be starters in in different situations, um, and they just happen to be on a team where they're playing that six man role. So, yeah, it's 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 a funny award because it's more situational, and as you say, who scores the most points coming on than necessarily who is able to run a second unit or um, is able to come in and as you say, impact winning. So, yeah, it's a, it's a funny old one, that. Um, what about Defensive Player of the Year? Defensive Player of the Year um, is probably the one that I struggle with uh, the most. And I think I'm pretty sure um, Gobert is the front runner for what will be his third, is it, Defensive Player of the Year? Yes. I think. Um, yeah. I... Thought at the start of the year, I thought it was going to be AD. I was really confident on AD. Um, but well, I mean, I guess, I guess with the way the Utah Jazz have gone and the impact that Rudy has around the ring, I mean, I guess you got to go with him. But I mean, for, for me, a guy like um, like Ben Simmons has really impressed me on the defensive end. And I think come postseason, we're going to see that even more and on the biggest stage of just how elite this guy is on the defensive end um it's not just not just saying that because he's australian he's really really good at playing defense um but i mean it's probably going to go to to go bear yeah it's funny that it really comes down to what you value more as a defense in a defensive player so if you if you value a rim protector and someone that's able to alter shots and protect the paint then obviously Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert are your first picks all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. If you value a versatile defender that can guard multiple positions on the perimeter as well as inside, then you're going to pick Ben Simmons. So, you know, every people have got different thoughts on it, on what they value more as a defensive player. Um, if I was coaching a team, I would take a versatile player that can guard you know, one through four. There's not many. LeBron, I think, still is the only player that could legitimately say he can guard one through five. Um, I think Ben Simmons can guard one through four. There's other guys that can guard one through three, two through four, things like that. Um, so, but yeah, I think for this season, the way Utah are playing, the way Rudy's played, they tend to value those bigger guys for defensive player of the year. If you look as history goes, Dwight's won it three times. Ben Wallace, I think, won it four times. You know, they tend to appreciate the rim protectors more. So I think it's going to go to Rudy Gobert in that category. So um, the big one, the, the big dogs, the MVP, who do you see there? It's got to be Jokic. Um, and I've watched a heap of shows, uh, you know, of all those, the various um, uh, US-based um talk shows on, on this and you've got people saying, you know, but it should be Chris Paul because of the way that he's impacted winning in Phoenix and blah, blah. And I completely, I completely get all that, but you got to look at the way this award's given, I think. Um, and I just can't see it going to anyone other than Jokic, the way that they, the way that they vote for this award and, and who gets it. Um, and uh, he's had a great season. I'm not saying he hasn't had a good season, <laughs> um, but you can see Yeah. With a lot of these awards, you can sort of tell based on the way that voting goes it's not necessarily who's the best in the league, as we know. It's it's never really it hasn't been that for well probably forever really. Um, so I mean it's got to be Jokic, don't you, don't you agree? 
Yeah, well, it's all voted on by a lot of people that are in the media. So you see the talk shows, you see what they're leading with and the narrative that happens. And it was Embiid up until he got hurt. And then he got hurt. And then the narrative changed to now a lot of the media are saying, look, as good as Embiid is playing. And, you know, if you were to say who's the better player, most say Embiid is the better player. But Jokic has been more consistent, hasn't missed a game, got got his team... um, in the West, you know, all that sort of stuff. So they're the ones doing the voting. So if for me, Embiid has played better. He just hasn't done it for long enough with the injuries, but Jokic has been consistent over the journey. So he's going to win it, but I think Embiid has been the most valuable player for his team. And I'm very interested to see how his playoff run goes because we've seen he's able to do it and he's able to be locked in for longer periods. Like there's always been question marks on how seriously he takes basketball and how serious he takes his conditioning and his preparation and things like that. He always wants to be the the Twitter troll and the joker. So now he's had an MVP caliber season and he needs to perform in the playoffs. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree. I I tell you that the award I'm most interested to see is coach of the year. Who do you reckon is going to win that one? So to me, I can't go past Tom Thibodeau to do what he's done with the New York Knicks. Yes, there's obviously a lot of love for Julius Randle and what he's been able to do. But I think a lot of that has come back to the coaching and it's because a lot of their success is predicated on how well they've played defensively. And for anyone that's followed Thibodeau's career, that's his calling card. He's a defensive-minded coach. And that's been the biggest reason for their their big turnaround. So I think they're at the moment they're twenty plus wins from the previous season, which is a huge uptick with a roster that hasn't changed personnel dramatically, especially not at the top. Julius Randle was there in two thousand and twenty when they won twenty one games. So for me, it's it's Tom's award. Yeah, completely agree. I've heard um, Quinn Snyder obviously is going to be close from Utah Jazz. Uh, Monty Williams is it Monty Williams at Phoenix? Yes, um, obviously because they've done more than I guess people thought they would. Um, and then obviously, yeah, Tibbs. I think they're the, I think they're the top three favourites. So it'll be interesting to see which way that goes. But the over under for the Knicks at the start of the year was twenty one and a half. They won forty games. <laughs> like yes. that is that is massive. How, how can you how can he not get it? You know when. When it's like that, like these other teams were expected to be good. The Knicks weren't. They were expected to be really yes. bad again. And he's got them, I think, at the fourth at the moment, the fourth seed in the East. Um, and they remind me, to be honest, they don't have um, uh, uh, D, like Tibbs' first year was with the Bulls was D Rose's MVP year. They obviously don't have the MVP on their team, although Stephen A. Smith likes to talk about Julius Randle should be a candidate. <laughs> uh, but they, they remind me of that because, as you say, defensively, they just hound and they're just absolute pests and they keep teams to a, a relative score that they don't need to score that much themselves because they're keeping the other team, you know, at a level. So uh, much like Tibbs won coach of the year, his first year in Chicago, I think he's going to win it again in his first year in, in New York. So he's just got to go everywhere for one year and then move on and just keep yeah. in the award. <laughs> That's right. And the thing that works against Phoenix is a lot of people – attributed their success to the acquisition of Chris Paul. 
So New York didn't acquire a, a, a guy like a Chris Paul or a leader that you could say, well, that's the reason there's been a, such a turnaround. They, yeah. they have, as I said, their roster is almost identical in terms of players that matter. They've just brought a new coach in. So a lot of the success goes to the coach. And then whereas in Phoenix, a lot of their success is getting attributed to the leadership of bringing Chris Paul in. So I think that's going to work against them. Um, yeah. There. So, um, uh, if- before we move on, I just wanted to – I went back and listened to our season preview, uh, which was episode 33, and we gave our yep. award, award predictions what we thought pre, before the season started. So I'll just run through what we – we both had Luca for MVP. Yep, wrong. Uh, we both had Mike Malone for Coach of the Year because we thought Denver would be top of the – yeah, it could, could, have been, could have been legit had, had you know, Murray not gone out, but wrong. Yes, <laughs> yep. Rookie of the Year, we both had Lamelo. I think we're on the money there. Ah, uh, Yes. Defensive player of the year, we both had Anthony Davis. So that's going to Thanks, be missed. Anthony Davis for getting hurt. Most improved player. I think we're both off by a country mile. Um, I had Lowry Markinen, which is just laughable. Um, <laughs> and you had Tyler Hero, who hasn't really no, anticipated. No, he's, he's too, too interested in his Instagram. Um, and then for six man, um, you had the Caruso. So you've gone from oh, one Laker to another. And I had Jordan yes. Clarkson, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. There you go. <laughs> we should have multi them and won nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just thought I'd go back and see how well we did. And I don't think we're going yep. to do that well overall. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we might look at um, what was your biggest regular season surprise of this season? So look, I was, I was going to say the Knicks, but we've just gone, <laughs> just gone through basically why that's the case. Um, so I think I'm, I'm going to steer clear of the Knicks, even though they probably are, um, the biggest regular season, um, surprise. Um, but for me, it's going to, it's going to be the opposite. And that is that I didn't expect the Lakers to be in the plane. Mm, Would never have picked that in a million years. So that to me, that's a surprise. And I know it's Injury related, like let's be honest, that's that's the reason why they're there. But so you can't really go, well, LeBron's going to miss X amount of games and AD is going to miss X amount of games, you know, at the start of the season because you hope everyone's healthy. Um, but yeah, Lakers, Lakers being there in the West, and I guess you could even throw Boston being there in the East. Not many would have picked that. Yes, absolutely. So my biggest surprise for this season was Steph Curry, and. I don't know if I'm biased about Steph Curry because of the fact that they've cost LeBron three rings and he would be unanimous, unanimously the greatest of all time if he had those three rings. But I didn't think he would play as well as he had without Clay Thompson and without Draymond Green for periods and without Kevin Durant. For me, I always thought, yes, greatest shooter we've ever seen, but was a product of a tremendous system and having someone like Clay Thompson there taking a lot of the heat, I didn't think he'd be able to do it solo, but he's emphatically proved that wrong throughout this season with his play. People could argue he has a, a, a legitimate argument for MVP. He's just been outstanding throughout a very tr- trying season with injury and personnel on that team and to put up the numbers he has and shoot the way he has just shows that he is worthy of the MVP awards he has and he's worthy of being known as a champion 
for the way he's played this season. So for me, that was the biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're 38 and 33 at the minute. You can nearly say 30 of their 38 wins are because of Steph Curry. Because yes. that, that roster takes Steph out is lottery bound. Oh. They, they, they're pretty bad. <laughs> they're they're bad. G League. Yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. So, yeah, he, yeah I, I agree. He's, he's just been phenomenal. And I think, like, exactly, you hit the nail on the head. It solidifies his MVP awards as, like, legit. Like, he's yes. they, they weren't just because he was in a good system. This dude can actually carry and lead a team when he doesn't have other great, great players around him. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a really good call. Beautiful. So we'll finish up with mailbag this week. Mailbag. So we did, mailbag. We did have a question come through, and it's for you. Oh. So the question that's come through is, and I I I hate to you know open up old wounds, but the Chicago Bulls have been pretty much irrelevant for the last two decades outside of a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2011. Do you attribute the downfall more to losing someone like Michael Jordan at the end of the 90s after that tremendous run? Or is it more because they lost Jerry Krause at the end of that run at the end of the 90s? Oh. That's a that's a loaded, loaded question. Um, first of all, the, the, the disappointing thing is we're we're sitting here in 2021, and we if you ever go on any of the Bulls social media, it's still Michael Jordan. We're still living, <laughs> we're still living on Michael Jordan 20 you know, um, 22 years, 23 years after he stopped playing for the team. So it's, it's really that's not good. Problem. It's really really not good. Um, look, I think I think the answer is both. Um, I think Jerry Krause. Um, as, as much as he gets heckled for being a pest and, you know, weren't to be all about him and small man syndrome and everything else that we saw um, magnified in, in the last dance documentary, the guy knew how to put a team together to win. And he was aggressive in doing that. He didn't give a shit really about who he might, what bridge he might burn or anything in order to do that. He just went out and, you know, just went out and did it. Um, so it would have been, yeah, really interesting to, to give him, I guess, a, a little bit more time, a little bit more control um, to see what might have come uh, after that. Um, and, I mean, you lose a guy like Jordan, as, as he's always said, when he was on, you know, king of the hill, so to speak, you want that opportunity to come back and um, defend what's yours until it's no longer yours sort of thing, you know. And, and then it goes into the whole, well, if he had to come back and lost, he wouldn't be 6-0 and oh and, you know, blah, blah. Um, for, for me, it's it's a, it's – more about um, Jerry Reinsdorf and the switch, I think, after being so successful to only giving a shit about the White Sox, who, who he also owns. All the money, all his time, all his energy, all his effort went into the White Sox and the Bulls were sort of like, oh, I've got the Bulls, this is great, but I'm making money out of them. There's, they're still top five every single season in ticket sales, blah, blah. As opposed to no, no, no. Let's let's go all out and try to you know win this. Like you see, all those um, teams that just always around the top. They don't mind going out and spending money, paying extra money from the in the luxury tax, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, to get good players. So I think to be honest, John Paxson had a tough gig as 
vice president because he always had to compete, I think, with trying to win versus we're just doing all right from a financial perspective and the bulls are making money and this is great. Whereas now that they ousted him and, um, and uh, Gar Foreman, the GM only to start this season and brought in uh of I always forget his, his name properly. <laughs> um, and Mark Eversley, the new GM, that was when the direction changed to, okay, you've now got to make this a contending team. And then mid season, obviously the bulls trade two first round picks to get a guy like Vucevic. You don't do that unless you're like, we're, we're trying to be more competitive. We're trying to win more rather than this constant lottery draft pick, lottery draft pick to, until you get lucky. That's, that's to me, that's not a game plan, you know, because you might never get lucky. You know, the draft can be so hit and miss. You might never get lucky. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a tough couple of decades, but as I said, that I, I sort of, I want to get to the point as much as I love Jordan, I want to get to the point where we can talk about somebody else when it comes to the Chicago Bulls other than Jordan. And it looked like Derek Rose is going to be that guy. And then obviously the ACL and, you know, we know it happened there. So it's still, we're still waiting, I guess, for that guy. And at the moment you sort of clutch, like I find myself trying to see, like to watch guys like Levine and that and go, Oh man, this guy's really good and blah, blah. Rather than be able to take a step back and say, yeah, well, he's good, but the Bulls aren't winning. He's, he's not, the guy who's going to be number one when we're, we're contending. So how do we get that guy? What are we going to do to get that guy? So it, it's, it's, I think the next couple of years are going to be really, really interesting because um, Karnaschovas came across from Denver. He was the guy who found Jokic. He was the guy who drafted Jamal Murray. He was the guy who drafted Michael Porter Jr. So he's, he's shown that he can put the team together. Let's see what happens. And I'll, I won't, I could keep going, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you think they have to move? And I, you know, you're never going to move on from Jordan being synonymous with the Bulls because you know he's almost more famous. You know, the the Chicago Bulls are famous because of Michael Jordan. But like, yeah, you sort of look at it, so the Lakers as a franchise are known, and then you've got Magic Johnson. The Celtics are known as a franchise, and then you've got Larry Bird. Whereas I feel like with the Bulls, it's Michael Jordan. And then, you know, the franchise Chicago Bulls. And whenever people talk about going there, like when it was when Kobe was going to go there in 2008, when LeBron was thinking about going there in 2010, there's always that, well, they're going there to try to be like Michael Jordan or try to beat Michael Jordan's legacy. Do you feel like that's a problem? And as you say, the, the website and the social media is all still Jordan, that at some point you have to move past that so that you had the Jordan era of the Chicago Bulls and then you have the next era of the Chicago Bulls like you have the Magic Kareem era of the Lakers and then you have the Shaq and Kobe and now you got the LeBron, Anthony Davis, Boston Celtics with the big three and then you got McHale and Larry Bird like the it's not just one person and then the franchise comes behind it yeah you're spot on if if Jordan never played for the Bulls they don't have a championship right now they're still yeah. a, a champion um, less team. Um, and, and you talk about Boston, you talk about LA. These are the teams that I talk about when they're bad, you cannot, you almost know within a couple of years, it's going to completely turn around because they're so aggressive in trying to get better to win, to win titles, not just to win games and Celtic. Cause they're going to do that. They're in a big market team. People come up like supporting them. They've got a big fan base as do the bulls. But, and I know, I know, I you know, connect with a lot of other bulls fans around the world. And, they're in the same boat that it's like, we just can't keep saying 
Jordan, 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 Jordan. We gotta we gotta somehow find some new guy or some new um, way, I guess, um, to be competing for titles again. Not just making the playoffs. I mean, we can't even do that at the moment, but that's, I guess that's the first step. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the, the Chicago Bulls are the Chicago Bulls. They're not the Michael Jordans. Like, yes. they're, they're their own. And, and Jordan helped build that brand. There's no doubt about it. The Bulls are global because of Jordan. Um, the Lakers, I mean, all these teams, players help them get to where they are. But you've, you've just got to get to a point where it's like, that. that's, we are no longer that, you know? Because, it's always, you know, on this day in 1994, Jordan put up 42 against. And it's like, what about today's players? Where's, what are they doing? What are they doing today? Yeah, when, you know what I mean? Flashback I, to when Jalen Rose had 21. It's, it's the longest honeymoon I think I've ever seen. It's, <laughs> it's still going. It's still going. And um, like I, I, I want to see another couple of Bulls titles in my lifetime. I don't, I don't want to just be living off. <laughs> You know, because obviously we were young when when the Bulls were winning last time. I want, I want that to be now. Like I want to be able to be yeah. those those fans who can experience what it's like to be in the in the big day when you're at an age where you can actually appreciate it and you know really really enjoy it. And I would be taking so much sick leave around the NBA Finals if, <laughs> if that were to if that were to happen. So hopefully no one from my work listens to this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Like I, I just. It's, it's really, really frustrating because it's like, how many times can you just go through a rebuild, you know, and there's got to be, and I, that's why I'm so happy that they finally went, nah, change the direction. This fan base has had enough. There's fans are turned up booing the teams that are there and wanting so-and-so gone and blah, blah. Jimmy's so happy that the Bulls ended up moving him and now he's in Miami in, a, in an organization that actually goes for it. Um, that's just what we need. And I'm really hoping that AK is the guy to, to lead us there. And I think, yeah, he's coming at a very tricky time before this season, obviously a season like no other, uh, but he's been aggressive and I expect him to be aggressive this off season. Um, so look, until he, until he does something wrong or, or, or I guess demonstrates that that's not the direction that he's trying to push this team. Um, you know, I'm going to sort of stick with him and I'd try to try to be patient for a little bit longer. All you can do is be patient. Oh yeah, I'm losing it. I'm losing. I'm losing hair and patience. Very, very. Fast. I'll be bald in no time, which I guess can, I can then be like Jordan. So you know, yeah, you play for the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe I'm going to get on, move on from the Jordan days as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's hopefully. We'll, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Bulls, but I'm I'm looking forward to watching some decent playoff basketball very, very soon. That's it. I think next week will be our playoff preview episode, which I'm very much looking forward to. Yes, definitely. Once we get all those, uh, all the first round and, oh, sorry, all the brackets and everything locked in, um, we'll definitely go through those and um, put our predictions in, which as we can see from our <laughs> preseason award predictions, we are terrible at. Yeah. <laughs> but, so put your house on it. So load yeah, up. Absolutely. Follow everything we say to the exact <laughs> mark. And uh, yeah, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Very good. All right. Anything else from you, mate? Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up so you can go and watch your uh, your boys play footy. That's it. Get around the Carlton boys. We're <laughs> we're on the up. So, no, just very much looking forward to the playoffs beginning next week.